I'll invite you to the book of Deuteronomy and join me there in the Bible this morning. We are going to take a little bit of a break. If you've been with us on Sunday mornings, you know that we've been uh, journeying with Jesus through the Gospel of John. And it has been an exciting time together as we've learned more about our Savior and our Lord Jesus Christ. And, and we are coming close uh, to some of the end chapters there where there's just some incredible truths that Christ shares with His disciples. But today we're going to take a break on that so that we can focus instead on this idea of passing the baton of faith. Now, mothers, let me just tell you, uh, this is a, a message primarily for mothers today. But it's not just for mothers and the principles we lay out today will be for all of us. I would, think, I would think that most of us would agree that uh, if we look around our country today, there is an attack on the home. Matter of fact, I heard one preacher say this week, it was a homicide of the home today. And we see this uh, attack that's going on all around us. There was a lady, though, named Anna Jarvis, who lived from 1864 to 1948. And she suggested, uh, really, the first national observance of Mother's Day. She wanted a day where she could honor her mother. And a matter of fact, when in a memorial service for her mother on May 10th, 19 and, uh, 1908, Jarvis gave a carnation to her mother, which was her, favorite, uh, her mother's favorite flower. And every person that attended received a carnation that day. Within the next few years, this idea of just honoring her, mother's, her mother gained popularity. And so it wasn't just Jarvis's mother, but it became other mothers as well. And, and within her church and her community. And people began to, across the nation, recognize, hey, we need to never forget the time-honored uh, tradition of the mother in the home. And May 9th, 1914, an act of Congress passed uh, by Woodrow Wilson, our president, uh, to proclaim the second Sunday in May as Mother's Day. No, the reality is, is America has not always celebrated Mother's Day. It didn't happen until 1914. But God has always called us to honor our mothers. Remember Exodus chapter 20 and verse 12. He says, Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. And so God tells us that, listen, we ought to honor and cherish those people in our life that have loved us as a mother or have given birth to us and loved us as that mother and could only love. And I tell you, uh, yesterday as we were uh, gathering together in, in the congregation, uh, we celebrated the homegoing of one of our own and Sister Alberta Grider, and, and she never was able to be a mother. Uh, God had different plans for her, but what she did was she was a mother to those in need. And she loved those. And, and I tell you, you may be here this morning and never able to have children of your own. And my heart goes out to you. And let me just say that as you minister to others and you demonstrate the love of God to them, you are mothering them for some that will never, ever know what it's like to have a godly mother. You know, some, maybe it was just that your mother wasn't all that nice. And maybe you're going, going through grief and today's an easy, a difficult time. But let me just say today's a day where we can remember what God wants for us in this role of motherhood and in the home. You know, for all of its stumbling blocks, all of its pitfalls, all of the broken dreams that come along in the family, and for all of the, maybe the, the diapers that have to be changed, the, maybe the wallpaper. I remember as a, you know, when my children were younger, they'd go through and they'd love to uh, discover what crayons and markers could make the wall look like. And I, anybody else have that? And all of those things, they're spoiled plans. Sometimes it happens when we become parents. And, you know, we had this idea where I'm going to take that vacation. Or I'm going to be able to pay off this house or I'm going to get me a boat. And then the, the child comes. And you're like, well, there goes that plan. But the reality is with all of the things that maybe could go wrong, God has a greater plan. This is all part of God's perfect plan to bring love and caring into this world. Motherhood 
uh, has that constant demand for love and caring, doesn't it? Yeah, there's no off switch. You know, when, when I leave the office at the end of the day, maybe I can turn off the switch and say, okay, I'm going to disconnect from that. But for a mother, they're always on. You ever notice that? My, in our family, my wife, she is that, that mother. She is always on, always connected with the kids. They can sneeze in the middle of the night. And she's up out of bed checking on them. My kids could die in the middle of the night. I wouldn't have a clue. I'd wake up the next day and say, what happened? She said, well, the ambulance was here and the police were here and the, and the kids were taken out on a stretcher. And I'm like, what in the world are you talking about? I slept through it all. You know, God gives us mothers for a reason because God gives them that special connection uh, with their children. And today we honor mothers. And each of us, I believe God should honor, we should honor our mother every day of the year, not just today. You know, because mothers have such a great impact on our life. You think about this, there was a teacher who was teaching and, and she was teaching her kids about magnets and, and she said, listen, magnets go around and they pick up things and she demonstrated how it would pick up some screws on the floor and some paper clips and she said, look, look and listen, see how it all picks up all these things and she taught them all about magnets. Well, the next day she was going to have a test on magnets and so the next day she said, okay, kids, she said, I'm going I'm to ask you something. She said, what is the word for that thing, for that, uh, for that, thing that goes around and picks up things the first letter is M, and there's six letters in the word. Half of the students turned in mother. <laughs> Maybe mothers feel like that sometimes, but I'll tell you, mothers are sure precious, aren't they? I, I know that mothers I, have that desire to want something better for the children than what they received. I know my own mother, as she was growing up, she went through a terrible time of suffering, uh, and she suffered greatly at the hands of abusive uh, stepfathers and different things in her life. And she said, she vowed to herself and to, to the Lord, she said, I'll never raise my kids in an environment like that again. She said, well, I, I will not put them through that same thing that I had to live with. And folks, let me tell you, instead of feeling hated and neglected and, and, and rejected by, uh, by uh, my mother, I felt loved and uh, accepted as a result of her decision to say, listen, I want to give my kids more than what I received. Listen, you may have grown up in a similar situation where you, maybe you were abused or neglected and your result has left your childhood feeling like maybe you were just a little gypped in that, in that place. But listen, God commands first off forgiveness and you cannot heal until you first forgive. And secondly, I just encourage you to determine that you will pass on to your children something greater than what you've received. And today as we come to Deuteronomy chapter 6, we see that God calls us as parents to pass on something greater, to pass on that baton of faith that He's given us because there's no greater lesson than I could give my kids than to love the Lord Jesus Christ. And so as Moses begins to prepare to leave the Israelites, he begins in Deuteronomy to kind of recap and re rehash everything that God has done for them. And he goes back and he rehashes with them all the blessings of God and how God led them and how God provided for them. And in Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 1, he starts exactly with that passage there. And he says in verse number 1, Now these are the commandments, the statutes, the judgments which the Lord your God commanded to teach you that you might do them in the land whither you go to possess it. Now Moses reminds them, he says, Remember all of the, the commandments, all of the law that we received from God on Mount Sinai. He says, You've been given this for a purpose. Don't forget it. And he goes on in verse number 2. That thou mightest fear the Lord thy God to keep all his commandments in his, uh, and which I command thee, this, command thee, thou and thy son and thy son's son, all the days of thy life, that thy days may be prolonged. And so he says, listen, there's a purpose that God did all of this, that you could keep these commandments, you could know these commandments, but essentially we're going to see that God calls us to pass it along. 
You know, he shared with them one final message just before God uh, brought uh, Moses' ministry to an end. And he wa- wanted to remind them, listen, God brought you th- from, from Egypt and he brought you to the cusp of the promised land. And they're standing there on the edge of the promised land and they're looking out and they're seeing all the beautiful things that God has before them. And Moses says, listen, don't forget the God that brought you to this place. Don't forget the God that gave you His law. Don't forget the God that has has provided for you. Don't forget the one that has been so faithful to you in all your life. And as as Moses spoke to these people in Deuteronomy, and he looks out on the congregation of the children of Israel, he says, listen, folks, don't forget where you've come from. And in Deuteronomy, then he begins to give them this emphasis then on obedience. Make sure you obey. You know, God reminds us that God desires a heart of obedience. When the prophet as Samuel came to King Saul, and King Saul had, had sinned against the Lord. King Saul, uh, you know, uh, was, had made a false, uh, had, had made a, a, his own altar, and he disobeyed the Lord. And, and the prophet Samuel came to him, and he rebuked him. And he said in 1 Samuel 15, 22, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offering and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? He said, Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams. And so as as Deuteronomy begins, and it reinforces some of those lessons that we see throughout the Scriptures, that God wants His heart of obedience. Jesus, when He first gave His commission to Simon Peter, and Simon Peter had rejected Him there at the moment when He needed Him the most, and, and, and He said, I don't know the man. And Christ came to him later in John chapter 21, and he asked him, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. And listen to Christ's response, feed my sheep. He didn't give up on him. He didn't say, listen, it's time to walk away. Instead, he said, listen, I still love you. I still have a purpose. I still just want you to simply be in obedience in all of these things. And so Moses taught that obedience is God's will if we're to walk with him. But this obedience flows from a heart of love. In verses 4 and 5 here in Deuteronomy, he says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. And so he teaches this kind of love and devotion that God would have for us, that God would have us to have for him. And so with all of our heart, all of our soul, and all of our might. I don't know about you, but as I read that, there's times where I feel like, man, that's impossible. There's no possible way that I can love like God's commanded me to love Him. It, is, it just seems overwhelming. And, but I think about the words of the Apostle Paul. And he says, listen, I press toward the mark. I, I've not arrived yet, but I'm still continuing in that journey. And though, though we're not perfect here today, God calls us to continue to press toward the mark of loving Him more. And mothers, today, let me just remind you, we're in a race for the souls of our children. You know, I, one, uh, years ago, I saw this sign that said, uh, whoever wants the next generation the most will get them. Think about that for me, with me. Whoever wants the next generation the most will get them. And, and this, this old devil, he wants our kids so desperately. He's looking to devour and destroy and to discourage. But I tell you that if we uh, hunger after the Lord, if we continue to seek Him, and we're going to see that here in our main text today in Deuteronomy 6, that if we do so, that we'll see God blesses that heart of faithfulness. And so while the world around us is doing its best to get our kids to run from Christ, may we be faithful to help them to strive for Christ. And so with that in mind, in our main passage, we find that God calls us to pass the baton of our faith to the next generation. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, in verse number 6 and 7, we're going to read this together. It says, Then these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. 
And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thy house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as a frontlets between thine eyes, and thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house and on thy gates. Let's stop and pray together. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the gift of mothers. We thank you, Lord, for the word of God, most of all. Lord, for in it we hear your precepts, your law, your love, your desire for us. And God, I just pray that you would encourage us today as parents to continue to be faithful, as grandparents to continue to have that heart of encouragement for their children and grandchildren. God, that today we would leave this place encouraged and inspired to continue on this walk that you've called us to. We thank you for Christ and what he means to us. And Lord, may you be glorified in Christ's name. Amen. You know, if we're honest, we'd say uh, being a mother in 21st century is not easy is it? Think about all that mothers go through today. Life is hectic. I talk to people every day and I said, how you doing? What's the number one response they give you? I'm busy. I'm busy. Man, and you just, I hear that over and over and over again. And so life can, life can feel hectic. Sometimes it's complex. You've got soccer practice, or you've got baseball practice, and you've got uh, this uh, piano recital, and you've got this to go to, and, and you've got to squeeze church in there somewhere, and family devotions, and you've got to make sure the dinner's on the table, and all of these different things. And we're trying to squeeze all of this in there. Many mothers on top of all those things even work outside the home. Man, how can you possibly ever keep up with all the demands of life? Your children, your job, your husband, your house, your friends, your church, and the list goes on and on, doesn't it? Yet there's something that we can pass on to our children that I think we need to prioritize. Something that is far more than uh, learning how to kick a soccer ball, because that's a communist sport anyway. <laughs> Just kidding. I, te- I tease people who play soccer about that, but it's not, I'm not real, that's not the real preaching. But l- let me just say that the most important thing to impart to our children is our faith. There's nothing as important as making sure that our children know Christ. I don't want them just to know that, my, that, that, that I know Christ. I want them to know Christ personally. Matter of fact, I was sharing with, uh, with the Charles family today, and we were talking about their children, and I said, you know, as we're, we're talking about our kids, one of the things I've prayed for my kids is that, that they would see the miracles of God themselves. Listen, I remember as a kid, God let me see some of the beautiful miracles that he had performed in helping our church save a building that was about to be lost to foreclosure. He helped us see a family in my own family that was headed for destruction be restored. I tell you, when we look back and we can see the miracles of God for ourselves, it strengthens our faith. And so I pray, God, help my children to see the miracles that you're performing in their life. You know, it's so important that we pass on that faith that we have. Paul encouraged Timothy, and he mentions the faith of his mother and his grandmother. And, and, and he says, listen, their faith was instrumental in your coming to Christ. And he says in 2 Timothy 1.5, it says, when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, I am persuaded that in thee also. Paul was saying this to Timothy. He said, listen, your sincere faith had been passed down for three generations. Your grandmother, your, your mother, and now you have had this sincere faith faith. Listen, Timothy learned it from his mother, who learned it from her mother. He saw this played out in their life, and and these ladies were so instrumental that Timothy became one of the greatest pastors we have in that first century. And listen, Lois passed her faith down to Eunice, and Eunice passed it on to Timothy. The family had learned to pass this baton of faith to succeeding generations, and that's something I think in the church that we've lost today. 
We've lost what it is, uh, and we, we trust in Sunday school teachers to teach my children. I trust in the TV to, to teach my children and Benny Hinn and all of these other things. But listen, those things aren't for my children. It's my job to teach my children to pass that baton of faith and say, let me show you what God has done in my life so that you might know the God of your dad. Folks, let me tell you, this is an exciting thing to be able to think about. A mother with a strong faith will raise children with strong faith. A mother with weak faith will raise children with weak or even no faith. And so God wants every mother, every one of us as parents to impact the lives of our children and future generations as a result of our faith. But it's never, and we let me just begin with this, we must begin with a firm grip on the baton. Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. And listen, if we don't have a firm grip on it, we're never going to pass that on. And so, have you ever viewed a relay race? Now, I'm not a sports guy necessarily. I don't, I don't pretend to be even. I'll, I'll talk sports with people, but you'll find out very quickly that I know nothing about sports hardly. But I have noticed a few things. I've been to several sporting events for teenagers when I was a youth pastor. And I, and I watched the relay races. And, and, and I remember in, in high school and junior high when they used to make you run. Do you remember that torture? Or maybe I'm the only one. I remember that very vividly, them telling us, all right, you're going to pass the baton. And I remember being that, the slowest guy on the team. They say, okay, you're going to start us off. Thank you. I appreciate that vote of confidence very much. This is a blessing to me. Thank you. And so they give you the baton and they say, all right, now your job is to run this lap. And I said, all the way around? They said, yes, all the way around. And I said, I don't think I can go that far. Is there, is there a break along the way? They said, no, you got to run it, John. you got to run it. And I said, oh, okay. And then they said, when you get toward the end, the guy ahead of you wants that baton. But don't you dare drop that baton because if you drop the baton, your, your team is going to get behind. And I said, well, we're already behind if you're putting me in the race. And so they said, listen, so, so you've got to hold the baton and you've got to hold it where you're, the top part of the baton is extended out so that when you come to that next runner, you can pass it along. But listen, don't drop the baton. Okay, I got it. Guess what I did? Listen, I know it's not my gift. That's okay. We all have our own gifts, and that's good. But listen, God calls us first and foremost to hold the baton of faith. If you don't have a, a firm grip on your faith, you're not going to be able to pass it along to your children. If you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, listen, it's very unlikely that your children will ever know Christ as their Savior too. Abraham Lincoln said, No man is poor who has a godly mother. Many Christians today are Christians because they had a godly mother. Their mother influenced them for Christ. Your influence in the home is powerful. Your willingness to stand with your children, to walk with your children, to love your children is incredible. And don't ever underestimate the power of your influence over your children. Someone once said this. He said, he who rocks the cradle rules the world. And I believe that's absolutely true. As you love that child and you nurture that child and you minister to that child in a way a father never can. I tell you, you influence them for Christ. Moses spoke to the Israelites uh, and, and as he was here in Deuteronomy chapter 6. And he was here not because of Pharaoh's influence, not because of, uh, of anybody else's influence, but Jochebed. Jochebed, who by faith hid him in a basket for three months. Jochebed, who was willing to follow the Lord. She had great faith, and now he had great faith. Listen, he had the, the opportunity to, to put his trust in Pharaoh and all the riches of the world. But because of Jochebed, he never forgot. Listen, there may be a time in your life, in your children's life, where you're watching your kid, your child, run away. 
and they've run away from the Lord. And like that prodigal, your heart is breaking. And as a father, you're looking out over the horizon and saying, God, won't you bring my child home? But said, so never give up praying. Never give up loving. Never give up on them because I know that when we train up a child in the way he should go, when he's old, he shall not depart from it. There was a mother who had 19 children. Can you imagine that, mothers? Susanna Wesley. She had 19 children she gave birth to, 10 of them of whom survived. She was no doubt one of the busiest mothers around. Could you imagine? 10 children to raise in your home, having 19 pregnancies. And I can't imagine in her life just how busy that would make her. But then on top of that, she was the wife of a pastor and a minister, and so she was a very busy lady. But it was not uncommon to walk into her home and find Susanna Wesley sitting in a rocking chair with her apron pulled up over her head. For two hours a day, she would spend time in prayer. Man, that amazes me. That a, a woman who would be as, as that busy and, that, that, uh, and yet that devoted to her Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. For two hours a day you would find her in that vigil with that apron pulled up over her head. Pouring her heart out to God for John and Wesley and her other children. And saying, God would you use my children? God would you protect my children? God would you guide my children? And that mother's heart loved her children. Susanna Wesley, her influence on her children made a lasting impact. And her children made a lasting impact as well. John and Charles, two, two of the men that God used to bring the great awakening here in America. What a tremendous blessing because one mother chose to pray. Sometimes we say, well, listen, Pastor, I'm too busy to pray. We can't be busier than Susanna Wesley. But let me just say this. In this society and this time, we're too busy not to pray. Let me give you some rules for raising children according to Susanna Wesley. She said, subdue self-willed on the child and thus work together with God to save his soul. Number two, she said, teach him to pray as soon as he can speak. Number three, she said, give him nothing, when he, uh, nothing he cries for and only what is good for him if he asks for it politely. Boy, we could sure use that one today as parents. Number four, she said, to prevent lying, punish no fault which is freely confessed, but never allow a rebellious sinful act to go unpunished. Number five, she said, commend and reward good behavior. And number six, she said, strictly observe all promises you make, uh, you have to make to your child. You see, our kids know when our faith is important. John and Charles, they viewed her life and they said, listen, this is a woman who dedicated herself to the Lord and they followed her footsteps and God used them in a tremendous way. Listen, parents, we don't know what's going to happen with our kids. We don't know what's going to happen with our grandchildren, but they're watching your life and they know. I was, I, I, I'm always reminded when I do children's ministry, I'm speaking to kids, they always know if you're ready or not. You notice that? They know more than adults know. Sometimes I can fool you, but I can never fool a child. They know whether you know what you're talking about. And the, kid, the children will know if, when you come home, are you living for Christ? Do you know the Lord Jesus Christ is your Savior? Because they're going to follow your example. Let me just encourage you, secondly, to hold to the goal. Remember what the goal is. The goal is not for my child to, to become wealthy and famous. My, the goal is not for my child to become a, a superstar or any of those things. I mean, the goal for my child is that they would know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior and they would learn to love Him with a passionate love. You see, the first runner, they must stay focused on that goal of helping extend that baton when the time is right and making sure that baton gets placed in the hand of the second runner. Because listen, if I falter, if I fail in my goal, then, then what happens is they can never pick up and continue going if I mess up. 
So let's stay focused on that goal. Proverbs 31 and verse 26, she openeth her mouth with wisdom and in her uh, tongue is the law of kindness. And so a mother that understands this uses her tongue wisely, wisely to communicate with her children the grace of all the blessings, which is to follow Christ. But you know what speaks louder than your words is your actions. As we follow the Lord, listen, if, you're, if your walk is fervent, your children will see it. As you follow the Lord, your children are going to mimic it. I, 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 sometimes I'm, I'm intimidated uh, a little bit as a dad, if I could be candid. Especially when your children are young. Because when our children are young, monkey see, monkey do. You know what I mean? And boy, as I, as I watch little Joshua sometimes, and, and, and he does something, and I'll look at him and I think, I'll look at my wife and I said, sorry, that was me. You know, sometimes I want to remind you that what they observe in your life is what they're going to repeat in their life. Let me just encourage you. One, and the next thing is we want a smooth trans- uh, changeover. This word changeover is a technical term I had to look up because I didn't know what it was called. It's that transition from one runner to the next runner. It's called a changeover. And so that first runner, he's coming along around the bend and he looks up ahead and he sees the second runner. His arm is extended back and he's ready to receive that baton. And as he's running around the bend, he reaches forward with a baton and the second person is reaching backward but looking ahead and they're running together. And that first person tries to get that hand off into, that, into the second runner so he can continue down the race. And this is a smooth changeover when the stride is not broken, when they don't have to slow down, when they can continue in this next leg of the race. And this first runner must really be focused in on on that changeover. And that second runner must be focused in on continuing forward. You see, that's what what we see here. God calls us then in verse number 7, Thou shalt teach them diligently. Think about this. This word teach means to sharpen. It means to guide, to instruct, and we're to sharpen their faith, if you will. And this is the principle that Paul teaches the church in the book of Ephesians. He says, Ephesians chapter 6, he says, And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, he says, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. That word teach means to sharpen, to bring up, to educate, to, to draw them closer to Christ. The book of Proverbs also uses this same thought in Proverbs 22, 6. We read it a second ago. He says, Train up a child in the way he should go. This is that idea of sharpening, that teaching, that encouraging this life. And so God holds us as parents responsible to bring our children then in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And so He calls on us and gives us then the responsibility to cooperate with God. Listen, if I'm not cooperating with God, I'm working against Him. And so God says, listen, work with me and your children are going to succeed. So how do we do that? First off, I want to be in church. I want to be where God's people are. I want my children to be where, God, where God's uh, uh, people are. I want them to be able to be encouraged by one another. People in this room have become the surrogate grandparents to my kids. They have more grandparents in this church than they have in real life. I tell you, they have been encouraged by you. They have, their best friends are in this church. And I tell you, it has made a lasting impact in their walk with Christ. And they have a burden for some of your kids that they might be saved. They, they have a burden for, for some of your families, and we pray together for some of the needs and, and one another. And listen, they didn't learn that just because I said, well, church is kind of important. No, it said, they learned that because Dad said, listen, I don't care what's going on. If we're healthy, we're going to be in church. And we want to make sure that we get them around that. But also, it requires us to take time to read the Bible with them. Read the Word of God together. Listen, the Word of God is alive, it's quick, it's powerful, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It can speak to the moments of my child's heart when they're going astray far better than a father can. 
And so take time to read the Word of God. Take time to talk about the biblical principles. When my kids are going through difficult times, we'll sit down beside them and, and I'll say, tell me what's going on in your heart. Let me know what, what, what's happening. And I'll say, okay, now let's think about what does the Bible say? How does the Bible speak to this situation in your life? And I tell you, that makes a big difference. It's not just thus saith the dad, it's thus saith the Lord. But also, I want to pray with them. You know, if I could be honest, as dad, as a pastor, it's real easy. Someone says, hey, I've got a, bad, a big burden. And I'll say, hey, let's pray about it right now. And man, we'll, we'll bow together in the hallway. And, and many of you, we've prayed together for different burdens in your life. And, and it's easy to do that here in this situation. But sometimes when you get home, you sometimes forget. Oh, my children still need that minister. Dr. G. Campbell Morgan had four sons. They were all preachers, okay? Someone once came into their room there, and they were visiting with the family, and the family was all there. And they, would, they thought they would see, uh, you know, what Howard, one of the sons, uh, how, what influenced him to become a preacher. And then they also said, Howard, who was the greatest preacher in your family? You know, this is, you know how the competition is in families. And so they said, oh, well, Howard, who's the greatest preacher in your family? And he looked at his mom with admiration and said, Mom. Listen, Mom knew how to speak to the child's heart. She knew that, that when she took time to sit down beside them and to minister to them and to love them and to pray with them, what a difference you make. She, the Bible says, teach them diligently unto your children. Secondly, he, talks, he says, talk of them. You know, when we drive down the road, my son and I, we often have different conversations. We talk sometimes about girls, sometimes a lot of times about trucks and cars and things like that. And, you know, we talk about different things, but sometimes we talk about other deeper things. It's not very common for men to think deep, but sometimes we do and it happens. And as we do so, we talk about the Lord. Maybe it's something we're listening to on the radio, a preacher or something like that. And we pause it and we, we talk about what has been said. And, or maybe uh, something we've observed in, in real life and we talk about those things. And maybe a struggle that they're going through. Listen, we've got to talk about those things. Our kids need to hear us talk about the Lord with them. Proverbs 31 and verse 26 says, She openeth her mouth with wisdom and in her tongue is a law of kindness. Traditionally, mothers have been the one that is present in the home. As such, your walk with Christ will be evident as you talk with your child. Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. But along with this, let me just encourage you, not just talk, but sing. I love, I, we love to sometimes, we have one CD in my truck. That's all I have in my truck, just one CD. How, how many still have CD players in your car? They're a rare breed. And my truck's old enough, I have a CD player, and I've got one CD in there, and, and I, I drive down the road, and I've got that one CD, and it plays sometimes, sometimes it doesn't, sometimes it's a radio. And, but there's, there's some songs on there my kids have gotten to know. One of them is, The Blood of Jesus Speaks for Me. Another one is, I Am Resolved, No Longer to Linger. Listen, my kids hear these songs, and they can sing them along with me as we go down the road. Listen, that's teaching them, that's, that's talking of them, that's allowing the Word of God to dwell in them richly. Also, we see that God calls us in verse 7 to display them. You know, sometimes it's, this is the hardest part. Your walk talks and your talk talks, but your walk talks the loudest. God calls us to display our faith, but we must be diligent in that. Someone said that the pray, family that prays together stays together. 
And there's nothing greater than what we can do for our families, just simply to take time and pray. Maybe that's not natural for you. You feel a little awkward. I know when we first started it, it was not something that was normal in uh, the Bingham household that I grew up in. It wasn't normal for us to sit down and have family devotions, but we knew that this was something we wanted to be part of our, our kids' lives. And so we said, listen, every night we started reading a Bible storybook and we'd pray together with Asa when he was the only one. And then Josiah came along and we did the same with him. And, and, and now we just go through the Word of God together every night. And It's not lengthy, and most of the time by the end of it I'm ready to, to scream. But that's okay. The Word of God is quick. It's alive. It's powerful. And it is doing a work that I can't do. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 and through 18, He says, Rejoice evermore. Do we rejoice? Do we rejoice, church? Do we rejoice in our home? And He says, Pray without ceasing. Is that that spirit of prayer in our home? And He says this, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Man, if we put those as just the forefront of our home and our values in our home, we're going to rejoice evermore. We're going to continually pray. We're going to give thanks for God in everything, even the hardships. What a difference it will make in the life of our kids. But let me just share one last thought here this morning as we close. God wants us to reassure our anchor. Now, in every relay race, there's the anchor. Now, the anchor runner is the last runner in the relay race, and typically you put your fastest runner in that position. That's why I was never the anchor in running relays. And this last person, they typically can make up lost ground from the slow guy like John uh, earlier in the race. But this thought closely resembles Hebrews chapter 11 and 12. Look at Hebrews 12 with me in verse number 1. Hebrews 12 calls us to look around us and see that cloud of witnesses that encourages us. Hebrews 12, 1 says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, it says, Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. You know what God was writing here? He says, listen, as we look back at all these great people of the faith, let us continue from here forward with a great desire to uh, make sure that we encourage those that come after us. Church, one day we will pass off of this scene. You know, one day each of us, we will breathe our last and then we will have to rest in that next generation to pick up the baton and to continue to carry it. But listen, if we don't invest in our children's lives, if we don't encourage them, if we don't strengthen them, if we don't help their faith, listen, they're not going to take that baton and they're not going to continue on and the church will not continue. Parents, sometimes we hinder our child by walking away from the faith. We ridicule them when they tell us they want to be missionaries and they say, well, you know, God wants you to do something better than be a missionary, surely. We scoff when they have a faith of the grain of mustard seed. How many times have you heard a child pray for something bigger than you could have imagined? And sometimes we laugh on the inside and say, there's no way. Aren't you glad you serve the God of the impossible? Who says, listen, if you have the faith of the grain of mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, be thou removed in the sea and it will be done. Listen, we still serve that same God today. But listen, sometimes in our cynicism, we forget that. So may we be an encouragement to their faith. Someone once said, if a child lives with criticism, he learns to condemn. If a child lives with hostility, he learns to fight. If a child lives with ridicule, he learns to be shy. If a child lives with shame, he learns to be guilty. If a child lives with tolerance, he learns to be patient. If a child lives with encouragement, he learns, to be, uh, he learns confidence. If a child lives with praise, he learns to appreciate. If a child lives with fairness, he learns justice. If a child lives with security, he learns to have faith. 
If a child lives with approval, he learns to like himself. But if a child lives with acceptance and friendship, he learns, uh, he learns to find love in the world. You see, God's called us as parents to encourage and demonstrate faith in our great God. You remember when, as a, as a child, we would teach our children, He is able. I still get the little thing right. He is able. I know He is able. I know my Lord is able to carry me through. You know, we think about those things. Maybe along the way, parents, we've forgotten that our God is still able. He's still the God of the impossible. He can still take those situations that seem so desperate and that, that nothing could ever fix or repair, and God can take those things and He can perform a miracle. Let us never lose sight of how big our God is today.